Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, U.S. wheat and corn futures set two-week lows yesterday as concerns continue about weakening demand. We'll hear from Errol Anderson. He is with ProMarket Communications in Calgary. He'll also discuss soybeans and other commodities in our interview with him today. Two wheat organizations in Saskatchewan are talking amalgamation next week. Saskatchewan Wheat and Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commission are proposing a merger. And we'll hear from Sask Wheat Chair Brett Halstead as both groups will be meeting in Saskatoon next Monday. Of course, that is because the Western Canadian Crop Production Show runs next Monday through Thursday. We'll hear from Leanne Hurlburt, uh, who is with Prairie Land uh, Park in Saskatoon. She's their agriculture manager, and she will talk about that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. U.S. wheat and corn futures set two-week lows yesterday as concerns continue about weakening demand. Errol Anderson is with ProMarket Communications in Calgary. Right now, I think it's quite oversold. But with that said, it's really been pressure from the Black Sea region, and we've seen the Paris wheat futures really drop. And that has influenced us, even though we've had some concerns with winter wheat kill in the U.S., the pressure on the European side has been enough to knock us down. But with that said, I'm expecting that the Black Sea exports will begin to slow in the first quarter. So, you know, we're oversold. Corn is leaning lower right now, but somewhere, 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 we're going to see a bounce in the sweet market. And uh, it, it hopefully it'll translate back into the local prices for growers. Chicago wheat futures were 30 cents lower yesterday, while corn fell 16 cents. Lower corn values are being welcomed by Western Canadian cattle feeders. You know, the cattle board has been absolutely powerful and, and a steady uptrend. And the feeder cattle are rejoicing over the fact that corn prices are dropping. But with that said, feeders may take a look at the uh, September feeder cattle chart and have a good look at it. Because right now, it is straight up. There's an excellent carry in this market. There's money to be made feeding cattle into this market. And uh, it may be an opportunity to start their hedging program. Anderson says wheat, corn, and soybeans have recorded sharp price declines during the first week of 2023, but canola has been holding its own to date. We're seeing top-end bids at $20, and to me, that's a real pricing opportunity for the grower. It's hanging around. You know, we've seen crude go down. We're seeing the corn market break, but canola is holding up. And really, we're seeing a good crush margins. We're seeing uh, the overall tone of this market quite firm. Now, can it pull back? Sure, sure can. Now, the March right now does have uh, resistance, I believe, at 880 a metric ton. But if we start to pull back, I can see the March 
moving it closer down to around 850. So it's going to be choppy, but right now there's a real pricing opportunity in canola. Anderson talks about Durham and peas. The yellows right now, you know, they're steady to maybe just slightly easier. The greens do have a better demand structure, in my view. So we're seeing the market move down in the yellows in that $12, $12.50 area. The greens are about a dollar a bushel better. Some of the specialty markets like the Durham, we've seen the Durham market pick up for the southern Alberta and southern Saskatchewan growers. But, uh, you know, the prices there have moved back up to about $14 per bushel. So, you know, the Durham market has made a recovery. So once the buyers step back in, you know, we're going to see a bounce in these specialty crops. January isn't the time that they typically step in. I think there'll be more activity once we get into February and March. The value of the Canadian dollar impacts agricultural exports, and Anderson says our loonie has been fluctuating. It's just a very choppy market a lot of days. It simply doesn't make sense to me. We are down three-quarters of a cent one day and up three-quarters of a cent the next day, and there's no particular reason. One currency I do watch more closely is the U.S. dollar because that will affect the loonie, and my thought is that the U.S. dollar is getting oversold. If there is more economic turbulence in the world, I can see more safe haven buying going toward the U.S. dollar. Now, if that happens, that also is a pressure point on the oil prices, which would be a pressure point on the Canadian dollar. So can the Canadian dollar drop further? Yes, it can. You know, I think 72 cents is fairly good support on it, but you never know. We could go down to major support of 70 cents. On the top end, I believe that 75 cents is is sort of the heavy resistance zone. Errol Anderson is with Pro Market Communications in Calgary. GX94 AgriView Ice Futures canola contracts remain stuck in a sideways trading range to start the new year with bearish outside forces countered by relatively supportive fundamentals. From a chart standpoint, March canola is stuck in a sideways range between $800 and $900 with little to suggest a break one way or the other for the time being. Markets Farm Pro Analyst Mike Jubinville notes the U.S. Department of Agriculture is set to release several key reports on January 12th, which could provide some nearby direction to grains and oil seeds. He says from a demand perspective, we look okay on canola, but he adds larger macroeconomic issues may weigh on the commodity. He points to recessionary concerns, worries about inflation and rising interest rates, the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, as well as COVID-19 issues in China and potential implications for demand. However, wide canola crush margins suggest domestic demand from processors should remain strong, while Jubinville expects to see a solid export program despite increased competition from Australia this year. Farm workers in British Columbia received a pay increase once the calendar flipped to 2023. Beginning January 1st, the minimum wage for agricultural peace rates increased by 2.8%. The pay raise applies to 15 hand-harvested crops, including peaches, apricots, apples, and strawberries. In June, the minimum wage in B.C. rose from $15.20 to $15.65 per hour. 
The increase in ag piece rates, for example, means in 2022, an employer would have paid a worker $24.23 per half bin of apricots. In 2023, the worker will receive $24.91 per half bin. A worker harvesting apples in 2022 would have been paid $21.06 per bin. Going forward, he or she will be paid $21.65 per bin. Each of the 15 crops in B.C. has its own minimum pay rate. The Transportation Safety Board has released its findings of a train derailment in New Brunswick in 2021. It says high temperatures, exposure to direct sunlight, buildup of stress, and the worn-out tracks caused a buckling and derailment of 30 hopper cars loaded with potash back on August 21st. It says potash from 27 of the 30 cars was spilled, but there was no fire and no one was injured. The board says there may be more of these derailments if railway tracks are not tested for how they behave as temperatures increase. McDonald's is set to abandon Kazakhstan as disruptions triggered by the Ukraine crisis have left the nation without a substitute for Russian meat supplies. The fast food giant, which exited Russia in May, banned its local franchisee from procuring meat patties from Russian suppliers. The company's licensee in Kazakhstan was forced to temporarily close its restaurants in November after cutting ties with Russian companies and running out of supplies. The exit highlights the supply issues faced by many Kazakh businesses in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the Western sanctions against Moscow that followed. Neighboring Russia is Kazakhstan's main trading partner. Emergency crews braced for the next bout of high winds and torrential rains forecast to sweep California starting yesterday, renewing the threat of power outages and flooding that struck parts of the state over the New Year's weekend. The latest atmospheric river, an airborne current of dense moisture flowing from the ocean, was expected to drench much of California ahead of a Pacific storm front bringing additional showers to low-lying areas and more snow to the Sierra Nevada mountains through today. Authorities warned that heavy downpours would likely unleash flash flooding and mudslides, especially in areas where the ground remained saturated from rains that soaked northern California days earlier. Fire-ravaged hill slopes are also particularly vulnerable to slides. The U.S. National Weather Service also posted high wind warnings across the San Francisco Bay Area and central California coast, with gale force gusts expected to knock down tree limbs and power lines, disrupting electricity service in many areas of that state. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. We have light fog and minus 17 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Two wheat organizations in Saskatchewan are talking amalgamation next week. Sask Wheat Chair Brett Halstead says a resolution will come forward at the annual meeting to join forces with the Winter Cereals Development Commission. 
He says the issue has been the focus of a consultation with producers during the past year. He says a resolution will come forward at the annual meeting in Saskatoon on Monday. Well, it's just that Saskweed will eventually, uh, August 1st, take over the mandate of winter cereals. You know, we're a larger organization and we're set up to do it all and take on what they do within our organization. So, but it's an emer- it's a merger. It's a friendly thing. They want to do this and we want to accommodate them for the good of both winter cereals and spring cereal producers. He believes the merger will help members of the Winter Cereals Commission. Well, Sask Winter Cereals is a very small organization, so they're finding it difficult to do all the things they want to do. And they're spending a fair bit of their resources or their levy income just keeping the organization going. So the benefit is that we can eliminate their share of the administration and we can put that money towards their programs rather than just keeping their organization going. Halstead says Sask Wheat members will benefit from the merger as well. Well, a lot of those same producers also grow spring wheat or Durham or CPS wheats. And, you know, they're the same farmers and growing just different crops. And, you know, we're just trying to consolidate in a fashion. You know, we've gone through a consultation process and all but one or two people liked the idea of it and thought we were on the right track. And then we followed that up with, you know, an actual implementation plan. And same thing, just about everybody liked it. So uh, we're going to take the resolutions to the AGMs next Monday, or this coming Monday, I guess, after the weekend, and probably have a little bit of a discussion and, and see where the membership wants it to go. He expects the resolution... To pass well just based on the consultation process uh, there was only one or two people had mentioned uh, anything in opposition to it so you know if number of uh, producers get out then I would expect it to pass but that's what there's a discussion period for and a public opportunity for those in favor or those opposed to get out and talk about it Halstead tells us what the current levies are for each of the two commissions. Sask Wheat's levy on spring wheat, Durham, CPS is a dollar a ton. And I'm not sure exactly what the winter cereals levy is. It might be, it's around the same. It, It might be the same or very close to the same. As for the total dollars raised by the levies... Sask Wheats has been around $15 million, and then, of course, it dropped down to about $8 million during the drought. And I think we're projecting around $14 million for this fiscal year that we're currently in. Uh, winter cereals has been, you know, either side of $100,000. That's why Halstead says the merger would be a great benefit to the Winter Cereals Commission. Yeah, like if they're spending 50% of that just to keep an organization going it doesn't leave a lot of money to fulfill your mandate he then reflects on the 2022 wheat crop and looks ahead to 2023 well you know obviously we're we're coming out of the pandemic coming out of a drought and we experienced much better crops than we had the year before although there were still some areas that experienced some difficulties all the way up to some people who had 
record crops and record incomes. So it was it was quite a mixed year. Obviously, we had wild expenses, increases in the expenses of some of our key inputs, fertilizer and fuel, for example. So it, it's quite a mixed year. All in all, probably more producers than not were happier with 22 than 21. 2023, you know, there's a lot of volatility still out there with the Russia-Ukrainian situation, as well as input costs. And we'll have to see how the year plays out. And each farmer will have to do uh, their due diligence on how to manage through that. But Halstead can't say how much wheat will be grown in Saskatchewan this year. I don't really have a idea on that. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on individual producers' rotations and where prices are at and their profitability of each crop in the next few months. Brett Halstead of Nokomis is the chair of the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 157.10, down 17. April live cattle trading at 161.05, down 37. March feeder cattle trading at 186.45, down 177. April feeder cattle trading at 190.35, down 135. February lean hogs trading at 81.97, that's down 210. April lean hogs trading at 91.25, down 165. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of January the 4th. The Heartland staff in Yorkton would like to wish everyone a very happy new year to one and all, and all the best in 2023. I always like to say, stay safe and stay healthy. No sale this week and no market report. Our first sale will be a pre-cert on January 11th. That sale is one of my favorite sales. Lots of excitement from the buyers and producers across the whole country from the western feedlots right to the eastern feedlots. This sale always draws a lot of attention and it will be a barn burner. We will have uh, pre-sorts every week going forward here and and please book your cattle and your trucks to avoid any disappointment. Our first bread cow and bread heifer sale will be Friday, January 27th with 150 consigned so far. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The Western Canadian Crop Production Show runs next Monday through Thursday, January 9th to the 12th at Saskatoon's Prairieland Park. With 330 companies having exhibits and displays, set up is a multi-day process which has already started. Leanne Hurlbert is Prairie Land's Agriculture Manager. She spoke earlier this morning. We start at 8 o'clock and it's well choreographed, items moving in all day long. She says there is an order to the process. Yeah, so we fill the large buildings, of course, with the big combines and tractors and uh, big pieces of uh, equipment. They move in first and then uh, we move the smaller booths in on the weekend. Hurlbert explains who directs the traffic. 
Well, we have a great team here at Prairie Land, and we also rely on volunteers. We have a, a few very, very loyal volunteers that come in and help us direct traffic and get everyone to their right spots. So it's a real team effort. She adds the crop production show is celebrating a milestone anniversary this year. Yes, it is our 40th anniversary of the show. The show started back in 1983 in the Jubilee Building, and now we've grown to our trade center and uh, all of the buildings. So we are very excited to host many exhibitors that have been here for 40 years, and many that are, um, it's their first year. Hurlbert says they will likely have a few mementos from that first year on display next week. You know, we do have some. <laughs> we have, They may be up on the screens. We might have a few things showing throughout the week. Uh, so you'll have to watch the video walls when you're here. Leanne Hurlbert is Prairie Land's Agriculture Manager. The 40th edition of the Western Canadian Crop Production Show begins at noon on Monday, January 9th. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Soil testing in the fall is a good way to determine fertility needs for the spring. And the key to a good fertility plan is a representative soil sample. Dr. Diane Knight is a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. She says pulse crops fit into building a nutrient management plan. To me, anything that's kind of free is like yeehaw. <laughs> and that's how I think we need to sort of um, approach nitrogen fixation is that we are getting free nitrogen from the air that we're not paying for fertilizer. So I recommendations are to include pulse crops in some form on your field every three or four years of a rotation. And, you know, I'm a pulse researcher. I want people to do that more than that. But realistically and economically, I think that that's a really good goal. And, like, people are starting to grow cover crops a lot more or companion crops um, with things and that's and many of those companion crops are pulses that can fix nitrogen just get some of that nitrogen into the soil um, another thing and I've been talking about sort of organic forms of um, nutrients being more protected and more and more I think we need to pay attention to um, practices that are going to minimize greenhouse gas emissions as well. I'll just sneak this in, even though I know that's not what we're talking about. And pulses are, are a pretty good way uh, of getting nutrients into an organic form that protects them a bit, not completely, um, from denitrification and um, carbon dioxide emissions and things like that. So I, I think... I think pulses have a really good position in rotations. They're not the be-all and end-all, like nothing is. There's no magic bullet, right? But very consciously trying to get that nitrogen into your soil through a, a non-fertilizer way, I think, is, is only a good thing. She says soil sampling plus pulse crops in rotation are a sustainable piece of soil management. Yeah, and so with soil sampling specifically, the more you know, the better you can respond. 
So, and I, and that's really what we're trying to do with um, soil sampling is get to know your soil, get to know your farm, know what is reasonable for that particular field. So it's not a, a, a you do it once and you, you're good at it and know everything. Like I still puzzle over some of the soil tests that we get and, huh, why did that happen? Like, why is this that this year? And Dr. Knight concludes with these comments. If you're afraid of the pulses, just try them. Like, I think that farmers are just so innovative. So figure out ways that work for you to get that free nitrogen onto your, into your fields. Um, yeah. And if you, you know, you hear something, give it a try. Don't try things, don't try new things on a wide scale. Try a little bit so that you're not, if they don't work, then you can say, well, I'm not doing that again. So, you know, and that's just advice for anything I think you're trying that's new on your farm. Dr. Diane Knight is a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. She made her comments on the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. Well, as you heard yesterday, Sask Flax has entered a new management collaboration with Sask Canola. Wayne Thompson had been the Sask Flax executive director for eight years prior to accepting a similar position with the Western Grains Research Foundation. Greg Sunquist farms in the Watrous area and is the chair of the Saskatchewan Flax Development Commission, also known as Sask Flax. We were looking for an executive director and understanding also that uh, budgets are tight and we're trying to maximize our returns to our levy payers. We were looking at all options and uh, Saskanola approached us and suggested that they may be able to help out. Sunquist says both commissions have similar mandates and key focus areas, research, extension and market development. Tracy Broughton, the executive director of Saskanola, will be our day-to-day person, but they also have a lot larger staff than uh, Sasflax ever did. So all the other administrative side of it can be also picked up by Sasconola. So you've got the bookkeeping, the office space, et cetera, et cetera. So that helps our budget for sure. The canola and flax levies from producers will continue to be collected separately. In addition, Sasconola and Sask Flax will maintain individual board of directors as well as separate governance structures. Sask Flax and Sasconola will hold their annual general meetings next week in Saskatoon in conjunction with the Western Canadian Crop Production Show. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 865.40, that's down $3.60. May canola trading at 862.60, down $3.90. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 909 and 3 quarters, up 6 and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 840 and a half, down a quarter of a cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 747 and three quarters, that's up two and a quarter cents. March corn trading at 653 and a quarter, down a half a cent. March soybeans trading at 1472 and three quarters, down 10 and three quarters of a cent. 
March oats trading at 348 and a half, down nine and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Manitoba Ag Days will kick off their three-day event on Tuesday, January 17th. This year's show will include over 550 exhibitors with both indoor and outdoor displays at the Keystone Centre in Brandon, Manitoba. Teresa Valaton is their media coordinator. We are excited to welcome everyone to the in-person show in Brandon and just want to have some key highlights out to people before they come. So the first being that this year's theme is Farmer Health Safety and Wellness. And they will see the theme evident throughout the show in a variety of speakers. There's an interactive virtual reality experience to participate in. And the Farmer Wellness Program will be supported through the purchase of Ag Days t-shirts. So we're really um, happy that you will be able to see that theme really evident throughout the show. She notes that for the first time in 46 years, Manitoba Ag Days will have an admission fee. There will be, and so we want to make sure that everyone has the smoothest ticketing experience possible. Tickets are available online at agdays.com slash tickets. The early bird tickets are still on sale right now for the price of $15 per day. There's also a three-day pass available for $40. And we want to make sure that everyone knows that youth 17 and under are still complimentary, but they will need a ticket. So when you're going to check out, there is an option to select that complimentary youth ticket, and then they'll have a QR code to scan in, just like everyone else when they enter through the doors. And then at that same time, when you're buying your admission tickets, you can also buy 50-50 tickets when you're online. Those are available right now as well. At, that's at eggdays.com slash buy 50-50 which leads us right into the proceeds of that going into the Ag Days Gives Back, which is the fourth no-before-you-go kind of thing, and that our proceeds this year are being um, granted to community fire departments. So there will be eight fire departments receiving $2,000 grants, as well as three post-secondary scholarships, and Ag in the Classroom Manitoba receives a $10,000 grant to bring many students to Ag Days. Valaton says this year's Innovation Showcase will be a big draw. We are very excited with the innovations we have. There are 32 contenders in seven categories. This is presented by Glacier Farm Media, and we have innovations for every type of operation. So if you are at all interested in what does the future look like on your farm, we would definitely encourage you to find those green light bulb signs hanging from um, up high, and that will direct you to the innovations throughout the show. The winners will be announced on Wednesday, so you can also look forward to that. But we just think the innovation showcase is a great chance for you to ask your personalized questions about your specific operation and how this um, innovation might work for you. You can go and actually feel product, see product, firsthand, touch it, and like I said, just get to interact with those um, exhibitors and ask the specific questions for your operation. She notes the complimentary speaking program has something for everyone. The speaking program this year is phenomenal. We have over 70 speakers and there will be topic experts on all things ag-related, agronomy, economics, and then we also have our three speakers speaking on our theme. So we'll have John Montgomery, Chris Beaudry, and Big Daddy Taz, all approaching mental health and wellness from different perspectives, from the perspective of humor and tragedy and perseverance. 
So those three speakers will be connected to that theme, but we have a number of um, keynote speakers, featured speakers that we're happy to have. And the whole program, there's not a day that you want to miss. You'll have highlights for everybody on every day. Valaton notes livestock producers won't be left out of the show. Absolutely. Bow Congress is back this year with 17 farms showcasing their latest genetics. So the sale dates are in the official show publication, which you hopefully received in your mailbox, but can also see online at any time. And then you can go and check out those the livestock barn and talk with those farms right there at Egg Days. She's very excited to have Ag in the Classroom back at Manitoba Ag Days. Absolutely. So this year, the um, experience will be created in person again. They've done online experiences the last two years, but this year we're happy to welcome back those students in person. There'll be students touring through the show and doing their activities and learning activities each day of the show. So all three days we welcome them to the show and we are very happy to have that partnership because we know that ag education and there's no better way to have that than hands-on experiencing and and seeing what agriculture looks like so we're very happy to welcome those students to the show with ag in the classroom manitoba valaton says there will be plenty of amenities to make sure visitors don't have to worry about cold temperatures that week we do so if you are worried about coming in january and you're thinking well maybe it will be chilly and how do i navigate all of that We've got you covered. So there's a shuttle, there's free parking, then the shuttle will be cruising the parking lot. We'll be happy to pick you up at your vehicle and drop you off right at the door. If you have your ticket, you're just ready to scan and you're right inside, um, quick and easy. There's a complimentary coat check just inside the door as well. So that's safe and secure. That's sponsored by Bayer Crop Science and you're welcome to leave your coat there. You know it will be toasty warm waiting for you at the end of the day. On the very first day, on the Tuesday, we'd like to welcome everyone to the kickoff breakfast, which happens at the Great Western Roadhouse. It starts at 7.30 in the morning and runs till 9 when the show is open, and that is presented by Heritage Co-op. So we really thank our partners. We have had a number of sponsors that have helped make this show um, a success, and we're, we're looking forward to welcoming everyone back in person, um, really getting back to business and having those face-to-face conversations relationships and just like I said being able to see products touch products and you're right there to ask that question of that expert at that booth and she says all of the current information about Manitoba Ag Days can be found online absolutely the whole um, show publication is online as a flippable book so it will look exactly like the print book there are also separate pages that have outlines of all the speakers all the exhibitors and so everything is online you will also be able to pick up a physical program or a physical publication at the show if you prefer to have that in your hand we'll have those located at the information booth if you like that physical copy there will certainly be some there Teresa Valaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. It's coming up June, uh, January 17th through the 19th in Brandon. And don't forget, GX on Agriculture is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo just enable the GX94 skill and choose GX on Agriculture. And yes, it is free. 
It's now coming up on 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions. A fog advisory is in effect. For today, cloudy with areas of fog, then partial sun developing. Winds south-southwest at 8 to 15 and a high of minus 12 degrees. For tonight, partly to mainly cloudy, a light wind and a low of minus 18. For tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 8 to 16, a high of minus 12, a low of minus 15. For Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, winds southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 2. For Sunday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of minus 1. And Monday, a 40% chance of early flurries, then partly sunny, a high of minus 8. In the Paw, it's minus 13 degrees. Swan River, Brandon and Show Lake Russell, minus 16. Dauphin, minus 12. Roblin, minus 18. Regina is at minus 12. Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 16. Broadview, Mooseman, minus 14. Indian Head, minus 15. The Yorkton, Melville region has some light fog. Calm conditions, 86% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 17 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.